Welcome to Outspoken Voices, a podcast by and for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer parents, people with LGBTQ parents, future parents, and everyone else who is part of our family journeys. I'm your host, Emily McGranahan, and I am the Director of Family Engagement with Family Equality Council. There is something validating and exciting about seeing, reading, or hearing reflections of yourself in all types of media. Everything from portraits of LGBTQ families to movies to books can all really be affirming. But so often these depictions are challenging or factually inaccurate or sensationalized. It's complex and there is a lot of pressure on that media that attempts to represent LGBTQ families because there is so little out there. It's not possible to show every story, but at a minimum, the depictions should stem from the voices of people living those realities. So with me to talk about the trials and tribulations of LGBTQ families in media are Makeda Zook and Sadie Epstein-Fine, co-editors of the anthology Spawning Generations, Rants and Reflections on Growing Up with LGBTQ Parents. Makeda was born in Vancouver with her two lesbian feminist moms. She was raised in a mixed-race family surrounded by anti-oppression politics and her owls, older, wiser lesbians. She currently works in sexual health promotion for a feminist NGO. And Sadie was born to her two moms surrounded by 11 other women in their home in Toronto. Sadie combines her passion for activism with her professional theater career as a queer political theater maker. So thank you both for talking with me. Thank you for having us on. Well, I already mentioned this a little bit in your bios, but I ask everyone this question to get us started. Who is in your family and how was it formed? This is Makeda speaking. Um, So... I grew up with two moms, so my mom, Corinne, and then my mom, Annette. As I, as my bio said, we have this very extensive lesbian feminist community that I feel like I really grew up with. They really became what I refer to as my owls, older, wiser lesbians, who really helped um, me, I would say, form parts of myself and yeah, so I would say my core family are my two moms, um, Annette and Kryn. Um and then I have this wider uh, chosen family. And this is Sadie. Uh, so I was born, as my bio says, um, at home. So my mom, Rachel, gave birth to me, and my other mom, Lois, was there to support And they conceived me through an anonymous sperm donor. And then previous to me being born, my mom Lois uh, parented my brother Aaron in a previous relationship. Um, And so he was my brother. Um, And then two of the women uh, who were at my birth took care of me like one, one night a week. And they became, you know, like my third and fourth parents. And then when they eventually had a son, he became my brother. So my family... Um, is very much made up of chosen um, people in my life. And yeah, that's that's how I grew up. (laughs) Yeah, thanks. Well, just since we're going to be diving in and and we actually share so many similarities, I also have lesbian moms uh, and I was conceived with a at the time, an anonymous sperm donor who later became identity release and I was able to contact and I've now have, I've 
three moms. My mom was with one partner until I was four and then uh, another around like six years old. I really should actually mention my step family in my family. Like it's really weird. I just actually le- left them out. Um, I guess sometimes I like, <laughs> there's just a lot of people to contend with. My parents <laughs> split up and um, my mom, uh, Lois has been with her partner, Alice, like since I was 10. And then Alice has two children and they've become my, my step siblings. Our family is, is quite blended at this point. I think it's actually a really complicated question too. Um, and I, even though I've answered it a million times, I have trouble sometimes answering it because, because first of all, I answer it um, differently depending on who I'm speaking with and also because uh, two years ago, um, one of my mom's crin died. So it's, it's I, I've had to sort of switch some of the way I talk about my family to the past tense, um, which is actually really hard. Um, and it's depending on the moment, I don't necessarily want to feel all the emotions of that. So it's, it's, uh, it's actually a really challenging question. Um, I also was uh, born uh, from an anonymous donor. So my moms really actually struggled to find a donor and they ended up finding somebody who through a mutual friend, um, but he wanted to remain anonymous. And then actually later on in my life, way later on um, in my late 20s, I ended up somewhat randomly connecting with him. And, uh, and I, so I have met him and I, I do um, see him occasionally. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. And that is so true. I know the way that I talk about my own family definitely depends on the situation and how much I feel like sharing. But by leaving something out, there is always that feeling of like, ugh, I should have said more. And also it's like, you know, the all of us, like we're in our 20s and 30s, you know, and we're still having to talk about who makes up our family. And, you know, like people with straight parents haven't really totally had to do that probably since they were eight. Like, is that an interesting queer spawn phenomena, you know, where we're like into our adulthood being like, and my mom birthed me in our home surrounded by lesbians, you know? (laughs) (laughs) But I think, and I think that there is like a certain, like you want to reveal more to other queer spawn. Totally. Right. But it's also the reminder that like, it's the reminder that, oh yeah, like, you know, you are also, you also have that experience. So even, you know, you sharing about your family, I think it both Sadie and I were like, oh yeah, like, you know, we perked up and are like, yes, this is, this is our opportunity, like to talk to with a similar experience and like share a little bit more and maybe get a little bit deeper than we would with, with yeah. just everybody. Yeah. Correspond are amazing and correspond spaces are amazing. Um, did you know other people with LGBTQ parents when you were growing up? Yes, somewhat. Um, so I knew Sadie growing up. Yeah. And then I actually, my moms were a part of a group that they called Dykes with Tykes. Uh, it was an informal, like social gathering of, um, of, dykes with tykes around my age so there were there were a handful so you you had some family members you had some people that were that you knew some friends some peers but do you remember 
any of the first, you know, books or, or movie or TV show that you saw that depicted LGBTQ families? In print was the first that I saw, um, like other people who had two moms. Um, and it was really two children's books. Yeah. Um, Heather has two mommies. Yeah. And Asha's mom. And Asha's moms. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Asha's moms is actually Canadian. And I think Heather has, Heather has two mommies is American. Yeah. That was in the nineties. Those, those I think were, or late eighties. Um, but then actually TV, um, and like popular media, it really wasn't until the kids are all right. Totally that I saw like mainstream depiction, a mainstream depiction of sort of my family, sort of. <laughs> yeah. It's like, woof, what a, what a first depiction. And I think like, you know, there were sure queer spawn in like, you know, the, the L word when Tina and whatever, yeah, bet, bet you have a baby. Right. But it's like, I think that the, the queer families that were depicted in like in, in the media were like when they have babies and then the babies were depicted, there was never like queer spawn who thought and felt, um, and had their own identities and experience lives. And I think, yeah, I think the kids are all right. was like the first of that. And then the more recent one, um, which I really love, um, is the fosters. Totally. But like, actually the only two oh and trans transparent which i i just like i'm gonna say i just love how like for our entire lives we needed to like prove how perfect we were and you know so many queer spawn i've talked to like have like you know the poster child syndrome and have some like complex around uh, around perfection sure their parent came out later when they were already adults which that is the experience of some queer spawn you know but i i just like love they didn't just depict the kids being like oh wow you're trans yay like that's how we're expected to react and if, if we do great and also if we don't like that there's not always space for that i feel like maybe with all these shows that we're naming it's like they they they're imperfect shows in a totally. lot of ways, right? And um, and they're imperfect in their depictions of queer and trans families um, for many reasons. And um, each one of them, I think, have had been the site of controversy and criticism. That's that's really important to to think about yes. um, and and talk about. And at the same time, I think. At the same time, what's what Sadie's speaking to also th- this happened with me with the kids are all right, where a lot of uh, other like queer folks in the kind of larger queer community um, and like in our sort of uh, parents community too were really upset about that film um, as being the first depiction of of our families in the mainstream, and I actually. I felt like, yes, it had its problems, big, big problems. But for me, the character that was the daughter, that character, the way she was written, was actually incredibly like liberating for me to see on the big screen because it was literally the first time, I think I was like 
a very like an older teenager when that movie came out or maybe even in my early 20s and it was the first time that I saw somebody talk about the pressure that they feel to be perfect because of being queer spawn and to me that was liberating and to me that one moment or like maybe one scene and the way her character um, responded in that scene was like just so empowering to me yeah you know my my parents were very intent on me seeing representation wherever we could find it or like try desperately to find it you know so we watched some of the what for them were like this is where we saw ourselves you know or at least lgbtq people in the movie so we watched you know torch song trilogy where you know the main character does end up kind of fostering uh, an older teen so that that was a you know a queer spawn it was honestly a lot of film that you know coming out in the 80s and late 80s and early 90s that were tragic it was just all the emotional tolls and the physical tolls of the AIDS crisis and the challenges of coming out and you know being denied the right to adopt and you know all of that that was sort of that was the media so to see a family that was just going through challenges that well had to you know having to do with their family structure wasn't about their fam their parents sexual orientation and that felt that felt good to see even though i watched in the film i was sort of like face palming a lot of things and frustrated with some of the pieces but to see even something that just had some rough outline that resembled my experience was it it was still really exciting and affirming to see something out there yeah and, and yeah. of course like for me like i i i i want to be able to see what you all can feel or like like what Makeda talks about feeling, but I just like, when I think about the kids are all right, I just feel like deep rage. The moment the mom slept with the sperm donor, for me that was like a betrayal to queer families actually. And I like can't get over, like, so <laughs> I can't get over that rage. You know, I get that they're creating tension and drama, but even just the depiction of the process for contacting a donor was so inaccurate that I know I've been re responding to that for years now, you know, especially to people who are becoming parents, you know, to see that film, which is one of the few depictions of sperm donor. Uh, and it's so stressful to people. I mean, the other depictions of, of sperm donors are always just the ones where there's like 500 youth, you know, or young adults discovering they're all related because the sperm donor, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, went all over the place. And it's sort of this like, scary kind of like cautionary tale which I've also had to dispel uh I've had people believe that I also had about like hundreds of siblings yeah actually yeah it's interesting a lot of um of the response to people when I when I talk about my family there there is there is a lot of response of oh have you seen that movie where yeah, all, I don't know. There's like this one particular documentary where it's exactly what you just described, Emily, like where people find out that they're related to like half the people in America or something. <laughs> like, it's yeah. a horror story. Like, and they're like, oh, have you seen that? You should see that. And I'm like, this, this is not what I want to talk about right now. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, yes, I do. I did for years have the fear of like, what if I fall in love with a half sibling because I don't know my donor? Like, I, I mean, I honestly had that fear, but I, but the chances of that happening were minuscule. And I did check before, you know, I mean, I knew my donor, but I did have in the back of my head, like, well, I'll just ask any, you know, if I'm about to get married to somebody, I'll just ask if their dad was ever a sperm donor. Yeah. I can just rule them out. <laughs> I've never actually done that. And uh, now I like, I mean, I just got married, but I'm like, you know, I'm like, oh, darn it. I missed my opportunity to be like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, yeah, it was something that I definitely thought about um, too. But yeah, it's, it's fun. It's a, it's, it is a funny thing because how much of it is like just fear, like other people's fear getting into your. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In my house, we were often so eager to see representation of LGBTQ people in general and especially LGBTQ families that I read that in uh, shows and depictions that it really wasn't there, but we would just like read it and we're like, oh no, they're coded gay. Like that's, this is a queer character we're claiming this character. Anytime a, a one parent wasn't as present in my head, I was like, oh, you know, well, I, I've only seen one parent on screen or one parent and her, you know, wink, wink, like the godmother, you know, wink, wink. And I was like, oh, I know what's going on there. That's a queer family. And I would just like hunt for it. You know? I definitely <laughs> recall like, you know, those conversations were happening with my parents. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, 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 oh yeah, like gay yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, but, but <laughs> what I will say is that, like, is that they, like, for example, started, like, allowing me to watch the L word probably far younger than they would have allowed me to watch any that explicit with, like, straight content. Um, and I, you know, like, 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 I started watching the L word as of, like, 10. They wanted to share with me, like, these lesbian characters, and I really wanted to witness these lesbian characters it became our family show because that was the only show that we could actually, that we had. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, absolutely. We would do the same. There were absolutely other films that, you know, thinking back, I was like, wow, I can't believe we were watching that. But it was just that desire of like, this is, this is the very few depictions in the queer canon. We like, you should watch it. Doesn't matter exactly if this is appropriate. And especially since at the time, you know, a lot of endings of films with queer characters ended in death or violence. So we're still sort of seeing that, that even in those depictions, LGBTQ, being LGBTQ and being a family um, was often something that was under threat. So even though I felt safe in my community, I would, I, through the media representation, because we were so hungry for it, we sought things out that were reinforcing the reality for many people that it wasn't safe to be out. That's so yeah. interesting. Cause like, I'm now, th- cause like I had this thought, like, so like I grew up like in alternative schools where like people generally accepted my family and they like didn't harass me for having queer parents like that. But I still felt this deep fear of queerness and being gay and whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, Am I just having this realization? I mean, like, yes, it, it, like, it, it was in the zeitgeist, but it was also, yeah, in watching these films, the only the only thing you saw represented was, like, yeah, gay people dying yeah. or being, like, abused or kicked out or... Yeah. And so, of course, when I think about coming out or being gay, it looks really violent and 
Yeah. But the, but I think that's really interesting too. Like I think with, um, you know, with the coded stuff, uh, my moms definitely were always talking about that in the nineties. Um, explicitly queer characters were so rare in media that like to have queer families in media was even more rare. So it was like the coding was happening around, like I remember watching the episode of Ellen coming out, like you remember those, like my aunts who were lesbians as well, are lesbians as well came over and you know, my moms and my aunts had a viewing party like to watch. We ever coming out all of our parents did like 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 i still think in my house my mom has like a vhs of like the ellen coming out like on tape she's keeping it for like we no longer have a vhs player it was historic yeah what's also really interesting about that is that is that after that season her show got canceled and she didn't work for three years after that and laura dern this is actually all in the book so it's it's very funny that we're talking about this right now because my my piece in our in our book actually references the Ellen show cuz I I just found out all this information as I was doing research it's like and then Laura Dern who kind of facilitated Ellen's coming out you know she's the one who was like quote unquote the recruiter um <laughs> she, she the actor didn't work for a year after that like that's how dangerous coming out and being out in the media was is that it actually ruined or for a short time ruined careers yeah i think my my family's show that we would watch all together was definitely will and grace and when the when jack's character found out he was a father i was just beyond thrilled uh you know and again but again it's it's uh it's like a big reveal um kind of moment which i saw in other shows you know i it, it would in teen dramas it was you know, a, a rating sort of spike or a character arc to have somebody's parent come out. But it was so often like because they caught them cheating. Like and and it was a big deal. And, you know, the they would get bullied then at school about it, or it had to be a big family secret. You know, just to have a show where it's a matter of fact, like something like The Fosters, it that felt so like okay, there's a big change here because being queer or being out isn't used as this like big dramatic shock. I was also thinking about it being uh, liberating for me to see a character, a queer spawn character really talk about the pressures of being perfect and being a not perfect character. And Sadie was talking about, you know, how, it was refreshing to see characters on Transparent as not uh, not perfect as well, and in some cases maybe not likable. That's our challenge as as in the media as queer spawn, I think, where which yeah. is actually kind of the opposite, maybe of the the challenge we were speaking to earlier around how in the '90s any sort of form of being queer or gay or trans was, um, was really the ending was most often violent. And, and the subtext of the story is don't come out because it'll be a horrible experience. Um, whereas we're maybe craving content where we see 
people just kind of being themselves and and struggling with the pressures that are put on them because of who they're how they have feel that they have to represent themselves but also they just want to live their lives you know just mentioning the being able to be honest about the chat like the challenges both from within our own families because our families are imperfect and complex and deal with all kinds of things and also the challenges that we get because of society's biases and discrimination but the title of the book spawning generations rants and reflections on growing up with lgbtq parents like i i love that it it starts right away by recognizing that rants and ranting is a valid part of our voice and the queer spawn experience it's funny because that actually comes directly out of our youngest contributor's title, our nine-year-old, the title of his piece. And then we realized that was a great way of summing up all the pieces in the book. You know, some pieces are rants, some pieces are deep reflections. But I I love saying that, right? Because um, the most, you know, brilliant ideas can come from <laughs> uh, maybe the most um, unlikely of places. But yeah, this, our nine-year-old Liam Sky is super brilliant and kind of gave us the title of our book. Yeah. That part of it. And I think that's a great, um, that's such an interesting reflection too, that you have and that you can see that in, in the title, because that was a, um, a main thrust for us about what we wanted to see in the book was space for queer spawn to tell their story the way they wanted to tell it and to Mm. not, um, not airbrush it and to really, yeah, feel like there was space to rant about the things that were hard from both inside their family and then the way that those things that might be hard in lots of families were just compounded by systemic issues like homophobia, transphobia, and and ranting about about those uh, influences of those systemic factors on on their family. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, where can people find the book? How can people get uh, get a copy for themselves? It is being sold as an ebook on Amazon, um, but we do recommend that you get the printed copy. It's really nice to kind of have in your hands and and feel the weight of it. So if if you are an American listener and uh, you'd like to buy a copy, we suggest that you buy it directly from our publisher's website. Demeter Press is the publisher. Yeah. And so people can find the book uh, on the publisher's website, which will we have linked in the show notes, um, Demeter Press or the uh, electronic book on Amazon. And where can folks find you both on social media? Oh, uh, we can be found at SpawnGen, uh, and then we have an Instagram account at Spawning Generations, and our Facebook account is also at Spawning Generations, but you can also look us up on Facebook as Queer Spawn Anthology. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, I'll, I'll include some of that in the, in the notes too, so everyone can kind of find you and find the book and stay up to date on... Uh, updates about the book and how to get it. And uh, I know you're, uh, you mentioned earlier before we started recording, exploring some in-person, you know, readings or other events. And so uh, we definitely want everyone to stay up to date so that they can get the book uh, and meet you sometime. Yeah. Well, we will be in New York. Um, uh, yeah. On January 23rd, 
2019, uh, we are being hosted at Blue Stockings Bookshop um, in Manhattan. We're going to be inviting um, contributors who are in the book, who live in New York, to join us, um, and we'll be reading pieces from the book. Fantastic. All right, everyone head to Blue Stockings January 23rd, 2019. Uh, yeah, thank you both so much for talking with me. This was so much fun. I really appreciate it. Thanks yeah, for having thank us you. On, Emily. Again, thank you for joining us today. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Outspoken Voices. You can find Outspoken Voices on our website, SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. You can find Family Equality Council at familyequality.org and on Facebook and Instagram at Family Equality and on Twitter at Family underscore Equality. Until next time, remember that love, justice, family, and equality is what brings our families together.